You're listening to Joy Coaching America with the Joy Coach, Karen Lynn Grant, spreading upbeat, uplifting, informative messages of hope and happiness from sea to shining sea from our home in the beautiful Rocky Mountains. Welcome to Joy Coaching America. This is Karen Lynn Grant. Today we have a wonderful show planned for you. It is a it's a program that I am doing with my dear sister, Caitlin Gilbert. I'm excited to introduce her to you. She is the owner of the Yardley Inn and Spa in Manti, Utah, a beautiful place to get away with historic, beautiful decoration, decor, vintage, and Victorian all in one beautiful place with bed and breakfast. And it's a place you're going to want to visit if you ever need a quiet, beautiful getaway that just is so cozy, warm, and comfortable. I'm excited to have my sister here with me today. We're celebrating her birthday, and we're talking about the art of true sistering the divine role that sisters can play in each other's lives. We're so excited to have you here today, Caitlin. I call her Kit because that is the nickname that I've known her as, but on this show, I will be referring to her as Caitlin because that is her name and her professional name. So Caitlin, we're so excited to have you here today. And we're going to just, we're going to just talk and share about sisterhood and what it means to us to be sisters and There's so many women out there that have struggling relationships with their sisters. And so this is so important and I'm excited that you're here. Oh, I'm so thrilled that you would invite me and it has been a joy to go through life with you, Karen. You have got such a, the biggest heart I know and the most wonderful ability to love that I know in any human being on earth that I personally know there may be some others, but you, you are so gifted in that. And I know there are many women throughout your life who have wanted to claim you as a sister or consider you a sister, a kindred heart. And I cherish the fact that you and I are true sisters with the same DNA, the same mother, the same father, the same bond, growing up in the same family, having the same similar experiences, even though they're through different perceptions and different lenses, because I've loved you since you were born, since you were a wee babe (laughs) brought home from the hospital. (laughs) We have such a cute story about that. Um, Our dad, he had named his first daughter, Kim, his second daughter, Kathleen, and they were choosing a name, and Caitlin chose the name of Robin for me. And my mother wrote in the baby book that Caitlin one day was sitting beside me, and I was bald and I had no eyebrows. And she said, A little fuzzy head. (laughs) A little fuzzy head. And she Mm. said, Robin, Robin, I love you so much because your hair is so, your head is so smoothly and your eyebrows are all gone. (laughs) You know, who can go back that far with you? And, you know, we have those memories of when I was eight years old and you were 11 or 10 and a half and you got sick with the flu and I wanted to do everything that you did. So I bundled up because you were having cold chills. I wanted to have cold chills. You were sick. I wanted to be sick. And so I bundled up 
broke out in a profuse sweat and thought, it's not fun to have the flu. (laughs) And so we have these memories going all the way back, beautiful memories of our mother and beautiful memories of traveling. My father, our father was in the Navy. So we grew up in the same home and in the same family. And, you know, we want to talk today because we probably both know, we probably all know women who are sisters who are not appreciating the divine role and what it really means to be a divine sister. And to really, you know, we talk about being the best husband or being the best mother, but do we ever really think about what can I do to be a better sister, to be a best friend to my sister? And today that's what I want to address today is that there are there is sibling rivalry in homes and families, and some people never get over that. And you were mentioning to me the other day, Caitlin, about a course that you actually took and studied with women that you knew and loved in Gilbert, Arizona, about the siblings. Yeah, there's a wonderful book called Siblings Without Rivalry. I highly recommend it. This was 20 years ago when I was raising children, 25. So uh, you can get the paperback. And they actually sold, uh, it was VCR tapes, but I had 12 women from my neighborhood who would come over once a week and we'd watch the next episode on the video. And then we would talk about it and learn parenting skills to help us raise children that would not grow up with sibling rivalry because there's so many things parents do. We learned how to be parents from watching our parents. Most of us haven't taken classes. And even if we did, we most likely in moments of heated anger or frustration revert to just hearing words spouting out of our mouth that are the same words we heard our father use or our mother use. And so being coming a conscious parent was something important to me. And this is something that you can learn. You can learn. You, can no- you may not notice it yourself, but we can do things as parents that without our even realizing it, set up our children to have to sibling against each other and to feel competitive and to have sibling rivalry. And that helps them miss out on the joy of a, the unconditional love that can and should exist between siblings. I think a sibling is one of the best gift a parent can ever give a child. I do too. I feel so sorry for mm-hmm. the children that are, um, that don't have that naturally and they grow up as an only child, I think they, they lose a lot. So and then those parents are doing their best and trying to find ways to help make up for that deficit. But when a parent gets old or is off the planet and you have your sister and you have your siblings and their bonds are close and you've tried and worked to keep them close, what a gift. What a gift to give to you that that adult has a deep, a deep richness and you can help each other figure out things. We've done that, haven't we? It's true because you know each other from that far back. You can understand what each other's been through. Mm -hmm. You can see the parenting styles that were used on one that weren't used on another and, and how sometimes children in the same family are treated differently. Mostly they are. And and sometimes a parent can actually verbalize a comparison, like I wish you were more like your brother or your sister, which would of course result in some sibling rivalry. Or why can't you, why can't you keep your room as clean as your sister does? Or why can't you get the grades that your brother does? Um, So often parents unconsciously use words and phrases that, that harm a child's heart and then make them resent the other sibling. And so, yeah, it's really important. I remember telling you 
a few years ago about a story that I'd heard where a man went to the funeral of his brother and he sat in the back row. He had had sibling rivalry that originated in his childhood and these resentments had grown and festered and had caused a chasm that was so deep and so wide that it was they didn't know how to heal it. They didn't know how to fix it. And then his brother, when he passed away, went to the funeral, sat on the back row, and the best friend of the brother got up and spoke and spoke of this wonderful man with all of his virtues and talents and character. And the brother sat on the back row, remorseful that he had not healed the hidden wounds from his childhood that had grown up, festered and sprouted roots and weeds that had overtaken the relationship. And I remember sharing that with you some years ago and saying, I would I would never want that to happen with one of my siblings. I would want to be the one who was asked to speak at that funeral and to be the one who knew my sister the best and who loved her the most and who had gone through her whole life with her and could celebrate her accomplishments and be grateful for her victories and be the one to share those with the rest of the world. And so for me today, it is an honor to have you and celebrate your birthday because you were here before me, Mm -hmm. but to celebrate your birthday and the wonderful virtues that you have, the things that I have learned in my life through you. And one of those beautiful moments for me was Years ago, when we were teenage girls, Kit, Caitlin was very petite, and so she had a closet full of really cute clothes because she was a seamstress, and I often loved to go to her closet and choose something to wear. And <laughs> one day, as I was on the in her closet, I looked on the floor. There was a piece of paper, and it was an assignment that she'd been given by a teacher in high school that asked each of the students to write their own obituaries and what they would want people to know about them. As I read what my sister wrote in her own uh, pseudo obituary, I cried because I thought that is who she is. She's She is loving, she is the sunshine, she is the gift of love and nurturing. I love my sister and I'm so grateful that we can be here together to share and to spread the joy of sisterhood with you. We'll be right back after this station break with the joyful art of true sisterhood. I smuggled her, hoping that just maybe I grow up and get a dog, one that left and cried, one that I could sing to.
from sea to shining sea and beyond. You're listening to Joy Coaching America Worldwide with show host and Joy Coach, Karen Lynn Grant. We are back with Joy Coaching America with Karen Lynn Grant, myself, with my sister, Caitlin Gilbert. I'm so excited that you're here today with me, Caitlin. And I wanted to move into the subject of clear communication, how to build a relationship with your sister, how to nurture her, what we can be to one another, the art of reparenting, and all of this starts with forgiveness because, of course, things happen along the way in our sisterhoods as we were little girls growing up and and maybe did have some sibling rivalry for the women that are out there. And I'm sure that I just always wanted to be like you. I was just so excited for who you are. And I just, but I think that the gift that we have had in our relationship is that we have never we have never held on to any offense that was unintentionally created by the other or created by ourselves. And so let's talk about forgiveness for just a minute and how that can play a huge role as we develop the divine art of true sistery. I think that it's the most important part. I really do. So often, well, would remember when we were little and we lived in Japan, and when we would go as a family out on the economy, as they called it, because we lived on a military base, and riding on the trains, I remember my dad pointing out that in Japan, the culture was such that it was okay to be rude or impolite, what we would consider impolite in public, but in a Japanese home situation, you only expressed honor and you were obedient to your parents, and there was kindness and um so much of saving face. There was just so much dignity and respect in the family. And yet when you would go to the subway, they would hire professional pushers that would get at the back of the crowd and put a hand on the back of, this was back, you know, in the sixties and literally push on the backs of the people to help get squeeze more people under the train faster, Hmm. which we would never do in America. That's not with our culture. Um, they probably don't still do that in Japan. We would <laughs> haven't been there be for a long time. Social distancing. <laughs> we would be social distancing and they would think. Yeah. So, but cultural things, typically in families, you let your hair down and you might say the calloused phrase, you might give the dig that you never would do in public. And so there's often going to be, there is always going to be a need for forgiveness because there will always be hurt feelings happening. You can't have a relationship with a sister or brother because we do let our hair down in our homes and we're less careful in our homes often than we are in public. We have something to learn from that culture to, mm-hmm. uh, I know that there in some families, there's a sarcastic air. We were not allowed to do that. To be and sarcastic. if we ever told each other to shut up or called each other a name, or a dummy. We, <laughs> or stupid, not allowed. <laughs> we had to go walk around the block for an hour and we were not allowed to come back in until we were able to express forgiveness and an apology. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's a book called the, uh, it's one of the love languages. Mm-hmm. And this book is all about the divine apology mm-hmm. and how there's mm-hmm. different apology styles in families and how painful it is if somebody won't let you apologize because oh, yeah. there are relationships where some of a family just part company 
and they refuse to receive that divine apology. To even to allow the apology. And that is one of the most painful things to be the recipient of when you want to heal something and you're just being shunned. So it's it's abuse. It's emotional abuse to turn your back on someone and walk away and not give them, not, not give enough respect to that relationship to say, I care about you. Let's talk. Can you tell me what you were thinking, what you meant when you said such and such? Because I took it like this. And if that's not what you meant that I need to know, what was your heart thinking? What was your, what was your, what were you feeling? What, what was, was your, your motive? What was your motive? So uh, so often we pull away because we think we understand what the other person was doing or saying or feeling and we're reading their mind and that's never a good idea. You so. know, Patricia Evans in her book, The Verbally Abusive Relationship, talks about invalidating as one of the most uh, horrible kinds of abuse to ignore, to refuse to acknowledge somebody's presence. And sometimes families do this when there are rifts that have been created and feuds that have, have gone on. It doesn't just affect the two siblings that are having this experience. It affects the entire family and it affects generations. And I remember I remember when I went through a divorce and I was watching couples um, at church one day and I was alone at church and I watched these men with their arms around their wives and the wives with their, you know, stroking the, the back of their husband's hair. And I remember thinking a prayer and my thought, my prayer thought was, did, did they do something that I didn't do? Is, did they just deserve a better relationship than I do, Lord. And the thought that came to me was, no, these people have experienced a need to forgive, but both people were willing. And the difference between a finite relationship and an infinite, ongoing, everlasting relationship that lasts to the end of your days and beyond this life is the gift of a forgiving heart and the willingness to commune, not just communicate, but to commune with that family member who maybe has caused you to mourn or you have caused to mourn. And so I just think about our relationship and how joyful it is, how um, our mother is aging. She's 90, so she uh, spends a lot of time with the, her caregivers and her husband. And so one day we were able to discuss the beautiful relationship that we have and the reparenting that we can do and the nurturing that we can do. And sometimes if you if you miss out on that divine role of sister, you miss out on that that person in your life, that woman in your life being able to nurture you in ways that no other friend can because they haven't been with you since the beginning. And so what a beautiful relationship it is because it can have the gift of mothering. It can have the gift of maternal instinct. It can have the gift of, of angel, the gift of best friend. And that is what we are promoting today. So Caitlin, let's hear from you. If you had some, a bit of wisdom and advice, which you have so much wisdom. If you had some advice to give to a listener who may be hurting because her sister is not 
listening or receiving her, what would you suggest? What is the best thing to do? Well, I think in that situation, the best thing to do is to give it to God because you can't change another person. They, they have their agency. They choose their responses. And sometimes you'll be in a relationship with someone where they rebuff any advance or any effort or attempt for you to communicate. So in that situation, then you just lay them at Jesus's feet, so to speak. And there've been times in my life when I've had extended family members, people that I love dearly, a best friend who has just done an out and out sudden um, 180 turn and rejection out of their own fear. And so in those instances, or maybe it's someone that you love who's fallen into an addiction. So they're very much swirling in their own world and they just are not in a place to be able to reach back out when someone reaches out to them. There's a lot of reasons. It can be mental illness. There's just a lot of different things that can be going on. And so in those cases, one thing that I do, I think sometimes therapists will recommend that you do empty chair exercises and you you put yourself in one chair, you put the other person in your imagination in the chair opposite, and you just talk heart to heart. Um, I have a friend who talked about giving love sandwiches. Mm-hmm. And um, there's, a, there's a practice in Hawaii uh, called Ho'oponoono, where you basically take that person out energetically into your mind and bring them present and say, I'm sorry. I love you. Thank you. Please forgive me. And there's some fascinating experiences with um, a, a doctor who went to a prison in Hawaii and was transferred to the like the most crazy, violent segment of this prison. And he he was a psychologist, and he yet he never met with any of the prisoners. He just took their file out every day, one at a time. Proxy work and did proxy work. So if you can um, just call in the Savior, His atoning. Grace is what's going to heal all of our mistakes, no matter who created the the issue, no matter what part you're playing in it, it all comes back to that atonement. And the at-one-ment is what he came to give us, is the ability to have unity in our relationships. So we take it to him and we just leave it in his hands. And that is beautiful. And we will be right back with more on the Divine Art of Sistering. Welcome to the Loving Liberty Radio Network. Welcome back to Joy Coaching America, raising the world's vibration to love, joy, and peace. One happy listener at a time. We're back with Joy Coaching Sisters with my sister, Caitlin Gilbert. We're celebrating her birthday by creating this show for you. And we hope that those of you who are out there, who are listening and who have relationships with your family members that you that are tender, that are standing perhaps in need of repair through the gift and the art of forgiveness and the miracle of forgiveness, we are excited to let you know that there is so much hope in developing and taking on 
the role of choosing in to creating the role of being a divine sister or a divine brother, a divine family member. We think of the ordinary relationships that we have with our families. And sometimes our family members are the ones we take for granted the most. And I just want to share with you that when my sister, many of you knew her son, Colin Karchner, he was a podcaster. And I'm going to let Caitlin tell a little bit about Colin's life. And then I would like to share the joy that I had in being able to hold her in my arms with her head on my shoulder when her son passed away this last year. So Caitlin, would you please share a little bit about about Colin and his beautiful gift that he shared with the world and then how it feels if you had no family member to turn to. And in those deep, crucial hours, we need our sisters, we need our brothers, we need our families to pull together and to be there for us. It's so true, Karen. So my son, Colin Karchner, started a campaign several years ago to save the kids. He saw the effect of social media and what it was having in his own family, first of all. And um, he kind of got sucked into, as we all have gotten sucked into have a, having our faces more in our phones than looking in each other's eyes. And he set about to do something to change that. And a lot of research, meeting with therapists and psychologists and studying out the effects um, that were driving the increasing rate of suicide and self-harming, bullying, cyberbullying that were happening just in his own state, at his own daughter's school and other places, it turned into a national campaign. It went from just being asked to speak and give a fireside at church to, um, well, come speak to our congregation, come speak to our congregation, share what you've learned. Because Colin has always had a gift of humor. He's hilarious. He had already developed a lot of followers on Instagram, basically making fun of Instagrammers and um, using his his cutting wit at times to bring attention to a problem that he saw was really having an impact on a lot of families. Um, through that effort, Colin became, he got some national recognition. He was asked to speak. Well, he was invited to speak at the National Academy of Pediatricians at their annual conference a year after he began. And he spoke at Nike and he spoke at Adidas. They had 12 months before coronavirus shut down his travel schedule. He'd spoken 500 times in 12 months. So he'd fly into a city and do a, an assembly at a junior high in the morning and then do an assembly at the high school in the afternoon and then do a parent night that night and then fly to another city. He was on the road a lot. When coronavirus um, shut up travel, it was a blessing for their family because he was home and he began podcasting just in a studio in his basement. And some, he had episodes where he had his kids on and he did a hilarious, wonderful quarantine's got talent episode. And people, kids around the country set, sent in, um, videos of themselves showcasing their talent, things that they were working on to create real life, not just life in a virtual and he, he had a beautiful message encouraging people to turn off their phones and yeah, to come home down. and yeah. develop those relationships with their homes and families. Yes, and connect and give those eight-second hugs. So um, put that phone down and look in people's eyes and be present with people when you're with them. 
And so it's something that we all strive to do and none of us are perfect for sure. And we're all growing in that because these phones have really taken over our lives and we can't imagine living without them, but sometimes living with them is, is a tricky, is a tricky thing. So um, Colin actually passed away on October 20th last year and he died because his heart was twice its size. Hmm. It turns out there was a genetic anomaly there, anomaly, and he had a, a very rare gene. And our family's still in the process of trying to find out if he was basically the first person to have that um, of all living relatives or if that has come through one of our lines. And so we're still waiting for results. But it's it's actually not ironic because Colin's heart was twice its size emotionally and energetically. He, um, The last memory that, that my daughter Emily has where she was present with him was texting him and saying, hey, I need to take the kids to the pool before school starts. Would you see if one of your two daughters would come with me and help me with the baby? And I'm afraid I might lose a child here at the pool if I try to do this by myself while my husband's at work. But Colin showed up too that day and he brought the kids and they all hung out. And she said he got over, he got up at one point, went over to the, to the shack, the snow cone shack, the, the refreshment stand and, and he got a snow cone and some for the kids. And he came back with a big grin on his face and he sat back in his chair and just kept watching the line. And it got longer and longer. And pretty soon he saw kids waving their hands and gesticulating and calling their friends over. And and he started to chuckle. And Emily said, what is going on over there? And he said, well, I just paid ahead for the next hundred people to get snow cones. And as that word got out, you can imagine what happened up the Pleasant Grove pool. So that's just the kind of person he was. He loved to do anonymous gifts of service and surprises. And he raised a lot of money for victims of Hurricane Harvey. And he's just did a lot of good in the world. So we miss him terribly. And we miss his spirit and his laughter, his infectious sense of humor. And he was just always sunshine and light. You know um, what I delight to be his mother raising him. What I loved um, at the celebration of life that you had for him and Emily and Charity all speaking to their brother. And, and this goes back to sibling relationships. Uh, as Emily shared this beautiful sibling relationship that she had with Colin, it really touched my children who were sitting in the audience and, and me. And this doesn't just go between sisters. This is also how we always wanted a big brother. Yes, we did. And <laughs> we always wanted an older brother. And we were three little girls. And then 12 years later, along came Kristen and our caboose was Josh. And we had a little brother who is who is just a wonderful marvel to us all with his own sense of humor. But I was so touched by both Charity and Emily's and Bethany's comments about their brother and that beautiful sibling relationship that they had all developed and how powerful that had been and what strength that it had brought them. I want to go to... Well, and when Colin passed, um, I remember my sister Karen saying, you need to come to my house. I just want you to come and put your head on my shoulder and just let me just comfort you. And we had an amazing experience here. And I don't think it would have happened anywhere else. Um, it was a sacred experience. 
And it it, it was beautiful. Yeah. And all of the lights were out in our little family room with a fire glowing in the fireplace. And I had invited Kit to come over and sit beside me and Dell. And just two, we were just, Kit was sharing about Colin's light. And suddenly, well, I played, I started to sing for Karen a song that Colin had. Um, he had, it, it had meant a lot to him and Emily. Emily was just 12 when he went on his mission to Taiwan for our church. And he was going to be gone for two years. And she was right at that vulnerable age. Junior high is such a hard time. And so he he had, at her request, learned to play a song from the movie Tarzan, which was the popular movie at the time. And there was a special song in that movie, um, the Phil Collins song. And as I shared with my sister and began to sing the words, don't stop your crying. It'll be all right. An unseen hand suddenly turned the light on, on the lamp in the dark room that we were in. And I knew that he was near and that he was giving me a message. It was okay. He was where he was supposed to be doing what he's supposed to be doing. And um, through music, which was really important to Colin and also to my sister, as you all know, that was a message that gave me such strength. And it was such a precious experience to be sitting there holding my sister's hand with my head on her shoulder and have this happen in her home, which is a sacred place for cherishing and healing. So these are gifts no one else can give you. And we'll be right back with more on the divine art of nurturing one sister. Welcome back to Joy Coaching America, raising the world's vibration to love, joy, and peace. One happy listener at a time. Welcome back to Joy Coaching America in this special episode on sisters and how to be a loving, nurturing, communing sister to a member of your own family. Of course, we all have those relationships that feel like sisters, even though we may not be blood relatives. But what we're talking about here today is the beauty of an enduring, long-going, everlasting friendship that has gone through its high points, its low points, its hardships, its traumas, uh, being a compassionate witness to one another. And Kaylin, in my work as an emotional clearing specialist, I have had many times where a sister came in and said, can I bring my sister? I want my sister to come to my session as we've done the music, the massage, the aromatherapy, and the emotional clearing. And what's been amazing about those sessions is to watch the sister that is there to be the key witness or the eyewitness and how she will bring forth important puzzle pieces for the woman on the table, maybe she forgot because she's more emotionally involved, but the sister has been an eyewitness and has watched these things. And I know that you and I 
have been that key role. We have been there in each other's lives during crucial times. We have comforted one another. We have held each other through a divorce, through the blending of families, through the confusion that children go through when their parents get divorced. There's been so many things, even our own parents' divorce. We were there along the way to nurture one another. But you brought up an important point about the puzzle pieces that we can provide so that when we are an eyewitness to a situation in a family member, a sibling, a sister, or a brother's woundedness, that we can be a part, a great effectual part of their healing. I would love for you to expound on that. Well, I think that um, I'm thinking back to the time when I was here a month ago, we were visiting and, and you shared a story from our childhood about a game we used to play in grandma and grandpa's backyard. And that, as we talked about that, lights came on in both of our minds and the aha moments were there. And we realized that a pattern that had been set up when we were little girls was still happening here as adults. And I know people have said, oh, I hate to go back to my family's house for Thanksgiving because my alcoholic uncle is always going to be the jerk and my so-and-so, this person is going to always act like this. And I find myself retreating back into the role I played in childhood, even though I'm now this old and I've done all this therapy and I've grown and grown and I'm no longer you know, my family holds me back. They hold me back in that box that they put me in when I was a child. And um, I remember when you were a little girl, you burst into tears one day and said, it's so hard to turn over a new leaf in this family. <laughs> do you remember <laughs> I saying do, I do that? remember that. <laughs> I do. I was the messy one. And I really was quite the messy one. And I remember when I was 12 and my, and you, you said, oh, I just want to play with your Barbies or is that wasn't that it was you had something you wanted from me and I wanted to play Barbies with you. Right. Right. Not just play with my Barbies, but play with me. Here I am, seventh grade. I'm starting to become an adolescent. Karen's still a little girl. She's nine. And I'm not playing with her as much anymore because now I'm in junior high and I'm thinking I'm so cool, right? And so she's feeling that sorrow as your big sister grows up and starts to become a, t- a tween and a teen. And I told her, I will let, I'll play Barbies with you if you clean my room. (laughs) (laughs) This is a great story. (laughs) She did clean my room. I laughed. I didn't help her. I didn't spend time with her. I went on a walk or I was out with my friends or something. And I, I came back and she cleaned the room. I had changed the sheets on those trundle beds and picked up everything and ironed all of the clothes that had been on the floor like and the clothes on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> Everything was beautiful, vacuumed and dusted. And I said, now will you play Barbies with me? And she said, I don't even remember, but I know I said no in some way. What did I say? She said, no, but thanks for cleaning my room. <laughs> oh gosh, I was so terrible. You know, you're, you're 13. I remember looking in the mirror at 13 and saying, I don't even like myself. How can my family stand me? <laughs> Full of adolescent hormones. So Karen then undid it all. I, she I, short shaved the bed. She threw the clothes back on the floor. And ironed wrinkles in into the clothes. Into the shirts, into the clothes. Um, so yes, we've had our times. We've had our moments for sure. But these are the things that you can look back and laugh about. And if you will if just If there's use forgiveness. A, <laughs> if you just use a sense of humor, you can go back and communicate with your sister and say, remember when this happened and laugh and just have a good time. And what 
what you said, Caitlin, about providing puzzle pieces and fitting things into place because often we we don't remember why we made the choices we made that led us to be who we have become today or why we have those things that those wounds that get reopened when we go to a family dinner when we go back because we were told we were the black sheep of the family and now we get into that family situation and we go on autopilot and mm-hmm. act like the black sheep of the family not because We are cognizantly endeavoring to do that, but because that's what we remember from a sentence. And you think about the word sentence, it has a double meaning. A sentence that can be spoken to you in childhood can become a sentence for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. And so I think about this beautiful relationship that you and I have co-created it's it's no different than a marriage. A marriage are two co-creators that choose in, that keep choosing in, that keep choosing to let's laugh at our mistakes. Let's laugh at the way we've interpreted that. Um, and I would suggest you don't do this through text messaging because text messaging can often, uh, people can interpret a text message with a tone of voice that you never intended. You meant that to come out so sweetly. These kinds of relationship healings need to occur as much as possible over the phone or in person where it can be done. And then uh, at least on a Zoom, not even over the phone. Yes, See the face. The more you can read the body, body language and see the expressions and hear the intonation, the highest level of communication happens over breaking bread. Did you know that? That's the lowest beautiful. form of communication happens with just the written word and with without the benefit of of body language and intonation. So don't cover don't try to fix things over text messages or emails. Perfect. You know, you do become an eyewitness. You are a key player in the healing of your siblings. There have been times where I have been a witness in my sister's first marriage, things that her children might not have seen. I remember when my sister, and this is Karen speaking about Caitlin, our voices sometimes sound the same, (laughs) we've been told, so you might be confused about who's talking right now. But I remember being at my sister's home in her first marriage, and she wanted to do a family home evening where she would share the love letters she had written to her unborn children. I remember seeing her husband scoff and roll his eyes. And I took that in and I put that away. But there there came a time later in her life when other things happened where she needed to be validated that yes, she had been loving. Yes, she had been given. She had given the role of mother and wife, her best, her all. And I was there to witness that for three months and to be able to speak that to her and even to write a letter to her with a four-page letter with the beautiful things that I had seen her do as a mother, as a wife in that first marriage, something that could be a witness for her. This is so important, people, when you think about what your your little brother has gone through or your little sister or your older sister went through because we didn't all experience life under the same roof with the same parents in the same way. And so it is so important that we extend mercy, love, forgiveness, long suffering, and kindness to these crucial relationships 
that can be a benefit and a blessing throughout our lives and on into the eternities. I remember giving my sister a massage one day. And I had gone to her house and I had taken my massage table over and she was going through a crucial time. And I have written songs about women in the scriptures and those songs you can hear on the stories she sings, which is a separate podcast. But as I was kneeling on the floor and massaging her hands and massaging each one of her fingers, I came to her ring finger, her wedding ring finger, and the words were whispered into my mind, your sister has been a faithful and a loving wife. Edify her. Build her up. Let her know that you believe in who she is. I had been a witness to her love. I had been privy to some trials that she had been through. And it was what God wanted me to do to be an eyewitness, to be a loyal friend and confidant to her through things that she went through later in her life. And so as we talk about these things, people think about your relationship with your sister. If you are a woman and you can, if this is bringing up any pain or discomfort, it might mean that that the Lord is whispering to you and saying, it's time to do some joy coaching with your sister or your brother. It's time to let the gift of forgiveness in. It's time to mend a broken heart in your very own family. It's so much easier to start new with a new friend. But what about those gifts of relationships of of your childhood? Those are irreplaceable. And the, the standing as a witness is something that I think we can keep doing forward, even when in the good times. So Karen has been key in lifting and helping comfort me during my greatest trials. But she's also key in just a little text now and then that just says, I see the good in you. And how often are we doing that? You may be involved in a business where you are leading a group of people or on a, having to work as a team, and you know how important it is to give compliments and edify and be a mirror for someone. We can do that, and we have to do that. We need to do that in our relationships and our families. I want to thank you, and I want to wish you a happy birthday to you, Mm -hmm. my dear sister, who I have always loved and wanted to emulate. I am Mm -hmm. so grateful for the beautiful friendship we have, for the way that we are here to love one another, and I pray that that will be an example to others who might be struggling or hurting in in a relationship that they want to heal. This is Carolyn Grant mm-hmm. and Caitlin Gilbert, Joy Coaching America. Mm-hmm.